I went to an all-girl Catholic school. Very sexy. Very sexy. And I thought <laughs> when I was a little girl, I thought that I wanted to become a nun. Yeah. But, but what I wanted to become was a lesbian. <laughs> Same thing, better footwear. <laughs> This is, <laughs> I forgot the order of my speech. Hi, you. I'm Trevor Campbell, and this is You Made Me Queer, the show where we spend our weekly allowance on office supplies because nothing establishes schoolyard street cred like a well-sharpened pencil. It's the first day back. you got to make an impression, right? That's right. Every episode, I invite a fantastic 2S LGBTQIA plus guest to point their finger of blame at who and or what made them queer. That's what we've always done, and we're back, baby, for season three of You Made Me Queer. Can you believe it? Where were you when this first started? Think back. What sort of youthful version of yourself were you? It wasn't pre-pandemic. It was just after... That all started. So maybe you still had a bit of a will to live. Uh, your skin looked great because you'd been outside in the past 365 days. Then things changed a bit, but don't worry. That's when I swept in to bring you rage. <laughs> Podcast queer rage. And we're still doing it on season three. This is episode 47. 47, not counting some of the live episodes and live shows. 47 is not my age. Thank you very much. How dare you? Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that age, but I mean, take one look at this dewy complexion. And you know, quite frankly, that's impossible because all of my stress went to my hairline. Uh, but we're back. I am fresh off the heels of Fan Expo Canada, which took place in <laughs> Toronto. That was my superhero voice. Took place in Toronto at the lovely... Uh, Metro Toronto Convention Center. And when I say lovely, it's like someone froze a 1970s casino in time, but took all the slot machines out. So it's just this weird soulless building where something grand probably happened at one point, And now it's a husk. And that husk was filled with about 125,000 people dressed like either Sailor Moon, Spider-Man, Florence Pugh from Midsummer, which is such a deep cut and was masterfully executed. Uh, there were some Daphne and Velma's. There were some characters from Breaking Bad. There was a very eerie Walter White in Briefs, uh, which was played for comedic effect. You know, it wasn't just um, a sex grab, if you will. Anyway, it was great. And I bring it up because I had the immense pleasure of hosting and moderating some panels including uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow with a very exciting same-sex relationship and uh, Amazon Prime's The Boys, which I am a massive fan of. So that was a real treat for me to meet some of those folks. Kamiko and Frenchie and all those folks, they're great in person. You know what? They really know how to work 
an off-the-cuff mic situation. I will say, and this is not their fault, they were 45 minutes late because they were taking photos and they've handlers. It's not like they can just break free. The handlers decide everything. So I had 45 minutes to kill with about 300 people who did not want to listen to me. They wanted to listen to the boys. But you know what? I, if I've learned anything from this podcast, it's how to talk without a response. <laughs> just, you know, until my breath rattles away and I die. Uh, so it was fine. It was a f totally fine 45 minutes. We imagined a scenario in which the cast of the boys was greased up and crawling through the uh, air conditioning ducts of the center en route to our room for the panel. Sadly, that's not what they did. They just came in through the door, which in my opinion is a missed opportunity. But uh, anyway, we got through it. It was very fun. I did have to uh, put on clothes and sort of assemble myself for it. So my point is I'm very happy to be back doing a podcast where God knows what I look like. I'll give you a hint. It's not great. It's not great. It's a Wednesday. It's hump day. So, you know, this is, I met my nadir. But I'm so happy to be back doing the pod again. I missed y'all so much. I love doing this show. I love You Made Me Queer. I love the people I've gotten to meet from it. I love talking to you. Do you like listening to it? Maybe you're a new listener. Maybe this is your first episode, in which case, sorry uh, for this train going off the tracks. But if you've come back from a past season, you know what to expect. You know I'll hit my stride. You know that I get there. I just take a little time to sort of grease the wheels, you know. But let's get into it, shall we? Because I have a corker of a first guest, a season premiere guest for season three of You Made Me Queer. My guest today is... Martha Chavez. Oh, God, you know Martha. How could you not? Martha has been doing stand-up for 23 GD years. She is uh, someone I've wanted to have on the show for a long time. She graciously said yes, and, uh, you know, we are all the better for it. I really think you're going to love this conversation. So let's riff off of sweet old Martha Chavez's Wikipedia page, shall we? Martha Chavez is a Nicaraguan Canadian comedian, comma, actress, comma, activist. Oh, she's flexing and playwright. She really can do so many things so well. But wait, she performs stand up in English, Spanish, French, and Italian. Do you just speaking four languages is something you should be given up? Uh, seasons past to Canada's Wonderland for free of charge. But the fact that she can be funny in four languages. It is hard to be funny in one. It's very hard to be funny in two. By the time you get to four, truly you have a god complex and you're just, you're showing off. But she does it so well, so you can't be mad. She's a regular in the comedy circuits in Canada, in the US and Latin America. She's performed at Just for Laughs, you know Just for Laughs, and many other major festivals and is a darling child of CBC Radio. Also notable for her activism because since coming out in 2009, Chavez has spoken out for the LGBT community and has become known for her comedic take on being a homosexual person of color in Canada. For, for me, Wikipedia, for my needs, that was a bit sterile. I could have, I know they're sort of, you know, encyclopedic in tone, but I could have taken a bit more flavor there. She has also written and performed in a series of one-woman plays. She does so many things. Oh, and she won, no big deal, Canadian Comedy Award for Best Stand-Up Comic after being nominated several times in the previous decade. I think that's a slam, including that last bit of the sentence. She's like the Susan Lucci of Canadian Comedy Awards. 
This is a great conversation. Martha is funny from the get-go. She's very smart. She is someone who, you know, has had an examined life. She's been through a lot of real difficult situations, and it's made her fantastic and fabulous and kind. Two things to mention before we start. Two quick notes. First thing, at the end when I ask for plugs, Martha says, when will this air? And I tell her when, and so she does not mention a festival that she's in this weekend, but I got my act together and I'm releasing the episode in time. So Martha will be appearing this weekend at the We're Funny That Way Festival from September 2nd to 4th at Base 31 in Picton, lovely Picton in Prince Edward County, the jewel of Southern Ontario, kissed by the St. Lawrence River. Oh, Boy, sorry for that. Anyway, it's a great festival. There are some very, very funny people there, not least of which is Martha. Also featuring You Made Me Queer alum, Brandon Nash Muhammad, and lots of other great folks like David Benjamin Tomlinson, Maggie Casella, Alex Mappa, and the B-Girls. So if you hear this in time and you're in Toronto or the area, you gotta go. Buy your tickets at rainbowcharitynetwork.org because it is a benefit. Also, the other thing to mention is that In this conversation, Martha tells a story about a nun that she met while she was in school. She was a minor. I think she was 14 or 15 at the time. The nun was an adult. And we talk about, you know, sort of some flirty situations and things like that. One thing we do want to clarify. So at first you'll hear Martha says, don't leave this in, and then tells me the story. So afterwards I asked her, I said, do you want me to take that out? And she said, no, I think it's okay if you leave it, but let's just contextualize that Obviously, we know this, you know this, but kids cannot consent, teenagers cannot consent in situations like that. What that woman did was wrong. She was an adult, and it was her responsibility to know better. So this is a light show. It has a light tone, but we just wanted to make sure that's something we didn't breeze by or would be misconstrued in any way. But you will hear that when you hear the conversation. So let's get straight into it. It's a season opener. I'm so happy that you're here listening to the show And trust me, we have a lot more planned this season. And when I say we, I mean me, because this is a one-man kayak, bitches. Okay, so let's jump into this conversation. Without further ado, please enjoy my chat with the exceptional Martha Chavez. You look great. Uh, for <laughs> folks who can't see, which is everyone, it's a podcast. Martha told me she had a little accident on the way to her Uber. Yeah. And got a black eye. You know how I got it? I got a, I was distracted on the phone. Uh-huh. And I see that the Uber arrived and I'm going to a show, right? Uh-huh. So I go, I had the phone in my hand. <laughs> I am running to the Uber. I feel that I lost, uh, I lose, I I uh, trip because the shoes were new. Those shoes that have traction. Ah, damn shoes. Okay. <laughs> so, so then I don't want to fall with my hand, so I don't destroy my phone. <laughs> and I fall on the side, and I fall yeah. on, right on my head, and I broke my um, my beautiful pink glasses. No. Yeah, but they will replace it at Hakim. God bless Hakeem. But uh, I went by the neighbor, her, a neighbor that was coming in the building, she heard, Pra! <laughs> and she goes, We gotta call 911 immediately. And I go, No, no, call my wife. <laughs> so she came and we went to St. Mike's, and that was even more traumatizing. We went to the emergency room. Okay. <gasps> that's uh, that's uh, that, you know, like uh, the nine circles of hell. Oh, uh, truly. I mean, like, how long were you waiting there? 
We waited three hours because apparently head injuries are not very popular. Oh, it's, it's not an urgent matter. No, 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 that it's not an urgent matter. That not many people come with that kind of story, oh, right? Oh, okay. No, there was a, a, a crack aficionado <laughs> yelling, I want crack! At the at the receptionist. Okay. I want crack. And they probably told her we don't have crack. Yeah, we're not selling that today. <laughs> and I was thinking, what? Can you come to the hospital and demand for random drugs? I know. Is there a different counter for that? <laughs> and then mm. she started yelling about that she wanted crystal meth. Okay. It was emergency because a lot of mental health cases and, and uh, drug cases come there. Of course. Well, at least she came with options. You know, she wasn't, she, she hedged her bets. <laughs> Crystal meth is a good second base. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, the thing is, I, I went to my, uh, my family doctor on Thursday, mm. which that was on Wednesday. Yes, on Thursday, she said, go have a CAT scan, but go this time to, to uh, Mount Sinai. The doctor there said, the doctor said I didn't need a CAT scan. Perfect. Was this before you fell on your face? No, this is after, oh, after great. because I was uh, having the, like flashes with his eye. Oh, and the doctor okay. did all of the exams. But if I start blabbing incoherently. <laughs> blame it on the concussion. The podcast, <laughs> blame it on the, and I went to work even. I went to work on the Thursday and I went to work on the Friday with a black eye. Yeah. And I'm like, my, my partner, who is a saint. I am like, oh, I don't want to go out with you, honey, because they're going to think that you punch me it's in true. the eye. <laughs> it's true. But I will say, you really, if you had not told me, I would not notice. I mean, you have a bit of a nice smoky eye makeup anyway. And then you have those nice... I put the makeup. <laughs> <laughs> it's a smart move. Just make that look like your look. Do a black eye on the other one. You look great. Thank you, honey. So do you. Oh, thank you. Go on, please. <laughs> nice, nice to meet you. Now you are a baby. You're just a baby. I thought that you were a little bit older, maybe. Well, uh, you're a baby. Look, I've got you on record, so guess my age, Martha. Bring it. 23. God bless you. Let the record show <laughs> Martha Chavez said I was 23. I am almost 40. Really? But you, I think some of us look very, very young, I think. Yeah, you and me both. Neither of us look a day over 21. <laughs> <laughs> I sold my soul to the devil in exchange for youth. I wanted to sell it and the devil didn't show up. <laughs> yeah, they, like, the devil doesn't do the deals that they used to do in Victorian times. Yeah, I no know. No deals in for the <laughs> Inflation, the market has changed. Also, I love that. Yeah. Like as a comedian, you, you know, you fell on the way to the Uber, but there must have been a part of your brain as you went down that's like, this is going to be good material. Yeah, it was so fast <laughs> and I was so embarrassed. Yeah. I was so embarrassed because, you know, like, I don't know how do you go. So, but how did you fall? And also, oh, I am no. a germaphobe. That's what oh. killed me. I am a germaphobe. Yeah. And at the at the the emergency, I don't see the doctor doing the sanitizer with his hands. I was yeah. like disgusted the whole time. Yeah. It's dirty. He said, "No, I did. I did." Doctor, could you please sanitize your hands? I'm OCD. Yes. <laughs> Why not? Please. Now more than ever. Yeah. Also, I love your instinct to protect the phone because I've done that. I actually was running 
I used to run with my phone in my hand, very dumb. And once I went, like when sometimes when you're exercising, you feel like a superhero because the endorphins are going. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm so strong. And I went to just like gingerly jump over a little sort of chain link fence <laughs> and my feet both got caught on the chain and I face painted. No. Oh yeah. Oh, and I went down so hard all onto my phone and the whole screen just completely shattered. Wow. Never again. Yeah, so you're right. Hold again. the phone up. You can be replaced, but phones are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you do just a gong sound? Yeah, I just hit my mic. It was very unprofessional. Because I uh, know I heard that gong sound. Like remember that I'm thinking that I'm going to be hearing things. <laughs> are you losing and your I mind? Just came. <laughs> I yeah. should just mess with you. No, that wasn't me. Maybe it's your doorbell. Yeah, yeah. No, the, <laughs> that, say, that ship sailed a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> the, what the losing your mind yeah fair enough you and yeah. me both yes. well listen I'm, I'm glad you're okay i'm glad you got into the hospital uh i'm glad your phone is okay yeah my baby and your eyes you've got both your eyes yes i, I do and shout out to <laughs> hakeem optical um they're not sponsoring us but fastest repairs in the business yeah no well they didn't give them to me yet okay okay so hold on i thought that it was one of a cable well, they, they they can't fix the, the thing, but she's going right. to put the lenses in another one, the same uh, frame. Perfect. She had to look for the same frame. No, they are very helpful there, but I'm very good client because me and Elton John, right? <laughs> During the pandemic, my yeah. glasses became my uh, my way of expressing myself because it, you don't see the whole face. Yes. Eyebrows, eyebrows and glasses. <laughs> and have, you know, have you noticed that everybody likes uh, uh, during the pandemic, Everybody, like if they had to put crayon on the eyebrows and the eyelashes that became, Oh, to really make them stand out. Became, I think it was because of the mask yes. or something. Yes, yes, I know. You really have to act with the top half of your face. Yeah. <laughs> you. I mean, you haven't even seen my yeah. teeth yet. I might not even have any. Show me, show me. No, no, no. Show I me, need to me. leave it. Maybe at surprise. At the end of the episode, I'll reveal a mouthful of wooden teeth. Okay. Oh, wow. That would be that surprise. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I have to work in radio. I saw them. I saw there them. You go. Oh, for for podcast teeth. listeners, I just proved to Martha Chavez that I do, in fact, have teeth in my mouth. Yeah. I like to see teeth. Remember what I do for a living. That's right. But what about mm. a nice, nice gummy laugh? That's still showing appreciation. Speaking of which. Yeah, please. About gummies. I had <laughs> taken a gummy before that run. Oh, I was like, just now? Are you high? No, no. At the okay. time, I had taken like a 2.5 milligrams gummy. Respectable. I like those ones because they don't make you, they're respectable. They don't get yeah. you really high. Yeah. But you are a little bit buzzed. That's a gummy for the office. Just a little, yeah. A gummy for a little <laughs> giggle. Yes. For a giggle. And you needed it because you had... You were going straight to the hospital, so you were just kind of floating on a cloud. Oh, yeah, yes. And I had time to eavesdrop. Because, you know, the, you're, they put you in this thing at the hospital in these cubicles. Yeah. They separate the seats with a plexiglass. But oh, yeah. mind you, nobody cleans that plexiglass. I was I was feeling, I'm in a box of germs. <laughs> and then I was, I was listening to this woman who was like, you know, you're a cop. You... Of all people should not allow that that guy talks to me like that when I'm yeah. taking a bath, right? You're a cop and I'm eavesdropping, but I don't want to turn because yeah. I fear to, to make eye contact with the person. Good instinct. And then then I, you know, I'm thinking I'm dying, but I still 
eavesdrop. And then I turned and I realized that the cop didn't listen to her because she was talking to herself. There was no cop. Oh, there's no cop. Of course. I mean, I don't like to make fun of the mentally ill, but then again. I mean, we, we walk among them and we are them. So we're, exactly. <laughs> we're fine. Exactly. I was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. We work in comedy. We so it's, I mean, we're a little bit cuckoo, right? Oh, a, a, a lot. <laughs> a lot cuckoo. <laughs> Plus, as soon as you get in the hospital or like a bus or a public space, especially after the past two years when we've been in lockdown, we have haven't been able to eavesdrop on anything so we have to make up for lost time now and the, the people that we have mostly eavesdrop on are people that are not sane in yeah. the head you know like yeah. the truckers and whatnot you know <laughs> whoa trucker slam wait sorry are you calling truckers not right in the head no like the, <laughs> a lot of people oh you mean like the convoy in ottawa the convoys in Ottawa, yeah, that, that we're saying. Oh, I thought you meant like just truck drivers in general. I was like, wow, that's a hot take, Martha. No, not in general. Okay. The convoyers. Okay, okay. I have friends who went, I have friends who I thought yeah. were saying in the head, like friends that I had respect for and everything that were coming with these cacomamie ideas. I know. About what, why we were in, in the, at home, why the government has sent us home like Trudeau is planning to Trudeau with a cabal of other of other leaders are planning yeah. to put chips on us and um, and that's why they they send us home and I'm thinking but they our captors allowed us to order any food that we wanted there you go to order booze to order pot to watch endless hours of tv <laughs> and get fat what is the end game here truly are they fattening us for the the aliens are we gonna be food are we like not are we like those chickens that they put in a little jail so they can get fat that's I have right no, we are not free range we were no free-range humans, that's what no, I know. No, maybe they're playing a long game, you know, like in 10 years. But it's like when people say, like, um, you know, CCTV cameras or something, or they're watching me, or they're watching the websites I go to. It's like, in a way, have at it. Because if you, if you can watch the boring things I do with my life, and that is what you want to do, go for it. If you want to inject a chip in me and track the fact that, I don't know, I spend an hour worrying about if my soda stream was working properly, good for you yes like guys <laughs> yeah, if you want to track it that's what worries me to be tracked down and the day find out that i How live a we are. very normal <laughs> boring life yeah. you know what are my i mean I, I even feel guilty to say it because there is there are a lot of people working really hard and, and there were a lot of uh not the like frontline workers the yeah frontline the frontline workers and everything working really hard while we were you know complaining i'm getting fat <laughs> like you know i have lived other tragedies in my country we were never complaining about that yeah because there was no food yeah but here it's like we are in this in this thing and i'm getting fat i need sourdough for bread and uh <laughs> and i'm afraid like the government is gonna spy me and they, they're gonna find out that i'm not the badass that i pretend to be well listen mm -hmm. they here's my recommendation i enter these calls with a giant fleece blanket hanging behind me because i could live anywhere you don't know but you martha have made the rookie mistake of coming into this call well, i can see your whole home behind you there could ah. be your social insurance number on the wall. Look. Oh, there's some beautiful that is paintings. Jesus. That is Jesus. Yeah. Hi, Jesus. Is, 
it's high Jesus, and then there is a, a torso. <laughs> oh, that's a friend yeah. of ours, uh, like a tattooed uh, mannequin torso. Yes, a but, mannequin torso. Important to identify it as a mannequin and not a full torso. Yeah, because you never know. You never you know. Never know. You like never we, know. Like we like we saw in the shows of serial killers. Yes, uh, that we saw like uh, the most. A pedestrian little old lady like me yeah, <laughs> can you, be a serial killer. You could have torsos all over your house. So that's my yeah. only advice. And I think this is the perfect segue because you're talking yeah. about chips in our brains, people <laughs> spying on us, people changing what we think. And this sounds to some people like conspiracies. But Martha, we know this is not because we had this happen to us. We had people intervene and make us queer. Yeah, I know. People made us queer. People made us queer. The nuns, the nuns made me super. Oh my god! Okay, I can't wait to go in there. So yes, as you said, forces were working against us. We were impressionable youths, but now we are adults. We break our glasses when we want. We take gummies before we go to the hospital. We eavesdrop on every conversation. So now we're in charge, and that's why I've called you here, Martha, because I want to give you the opportunity once and for all in any glasses you please. To point the finger of blame, Martha Chavez, at who and or what made you queer? Well, you know, <clears throat> my, uh, I would say that my mother's womb made me queer. <laughs> I've never had this one before. Tell us all about it. I would say because I think I was born queer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the sense that, well, okay, um, uh, I went to an all-girl Catholic school. Very sexy. Very sexy. And I thought... <laughs> When I was a little girl, I thought that I wanted to become a nun. Yeah. But but what I wanted to become was a lesbian. Same <laughs> thing, better footwear. But, <clears throat> but you know, when you grow up with just with little girls, yeah. like other girls, you, you don't have a uh, contact with boys. Who are you gonna have crashes with? Right. You're gonna be. You're gonna have crashes on 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 girls. You have to have crushes on someone. On, on, on other girls, but I, yeah. I remember that I knew I liked to read a lot. Okay. Even when I was little, because I became chunky very soon. Uh-huh. Like, and then I didn't want to go and play outside. I didn't want to go to the pool. I didn't want to do anything like that because I was self-conscious about my weight. But mm. my uncles were assholes, and they would go very young, you know, like, oh, gorda, la gorda. Uh. The little Gorda, you know, bullied for being uh, chunky. When you were a child? When I was around 10 and then. Ugh. And then, uh, so I, I loved to read. And my father bought me the complete works of Oscar Wilde in Spanish. Oh my goodness, that is some queer content. Total queer content. I have, I still, <laughs> it's one of the few things that I have from my childhood because... Yeah. I brought it when I came to Canada. From Nicaragua, then, yeah. From Nicaragua. And then uh, and then I remember that when I read, I, I probably couldn't understand. My father mm. thought that I would love the happy prince mm. and stories like that. But when I read the, the picture of uh, the portrait of Dorian Gray. Oh, boy, yeah. I remember that I knew that, uh, the, that, that, that the love that this, the painter felt for Dorian Gray. Mm was something that we shouldn't talk about ah, okay. was something that i understood that i would feel for another little girl but i i think that i would probably have heard my parents calling somebody a queer or something and right and i had it in my head this is this is what it is so you mean like because in the story there's sort of the same sex attraction even though it's not really 
sexualized per se, it's obvious that it's erotically charged. The torment, the, yeah. the torment that he had for him. Like lust, mm -hmm. yeah. I didn't understand lust or anything, but I knew that he was obsessed with this man and they were both men. Mm -hmm. And that was, and, um, and very, uh, very taboo. Very taboo. And then when, uh, when, uh, when you're like 15 years old, there comes La Quinceañera. Of course. They, they, they celebrate it, not in the same style of, um, of, 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 the, of Mexico, but in Nicaragua also celebrate your 15 years. like you become a teenager. Right. And then they start socializing you with boys. Oh, like with the intention of like meeting to date, kind of like bring you into society. And so society starts yeah. ridiculous practices from those days in my country. I don't know if they do it now. Also 15, like, whoa. Uh, uh, 15, young. and then it was meant to, you know, you're going to meet young men of the Jesuit school that was across the street from our school. Even the nuns started socializing us in, in, in days, you know, in oh, yeah. in a one-day camp. with them. And I remember that I, I didn't want to. I was... I felt protected yeah. in my, uh, my non-environment. I didn't want, I didn't want to go out of that world. And where would they do it? Because, so as you've described, you were in the Nun Academy. I'm sure there's a better name. And then across uh, the street was the Jesuit school for the boys? Yeah, well, not across the street, but around the, the, the place. Okay. There was the Jesuit school for boys. So I remember yeah. that on the first grade of, um, of, of um, sec secondary of, mm. high, of high school, yeah. of, of uh, how do you call the first day, years of high school here? Junior high. Oh, junior high is before high school. Uh-huh. So junior high, after the sixth grade, when you graduated the Yeah, the it depends elementary. where you are, but that could be junior high or middle school, I guess. Yeah, so when I remember that the nuns organized, uh, a, they took us by bus to this field and they organized games like, a, we called it a kermes, mm. kermes something like that with boys and uh and, and i remember that all of my friends because because the people of uh how would i say this without sounding obnoxious <laughs> of my social of our social status let's say that we were they were we were middle class in nicaragua and uh, right <clears throat> with, with no our parents knew each other it's a very small country, so in Managua, our parents know each other and, and everything like that. Yeah. So, so I remember my, my classmates, they were fascinated meeting these boys, and I, I didn't want to. Ah. And I remember I was brokenhearted when the girl that I had a crush in got a boyfriend. I was so right. brokenhearted. Yeah. Right. Were you friends, too? Yeah, we were best friends, but I, yeah. I, I felt that I, I really did feel that I wanted more. And then came the novice. Okay. Uh, uh, can I tell you this off the record? Because I, I don't want to. Yeah, you, you want me to cut this? <coughs> you sure? It sounds juicy. Yeah, cut, yeah well, it's, it is juicy. But <laughs> I don't know okay. if I should. Maybe, okay. maybe, we, maybe I'll convince you to leave it in, but go for it. Well, you know, like uh, there was a, no a 23-year-old novice mm -hmm. who's, who's a Spaniard. From, uh, she was from Spain. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and she started having interest in me Ooh. when I was uh, 14. Oh, you were, oh, okay. Like, you know, predator prey. Right. Like she was making, like really making advances with you? Like very Yeah, yeah, yeah. Advances, uh, advances. And in the sense that she would separate me 
from uh, my other friends and see yeah. me where she could see me. She demanded that I should stay after school. We had inappropriate uh, hugging and yeah. she would tell me that she was my only friend, that I should not trust my mom, that I should tell her everything that my mom told me. Oh, it's like a kind of straight up grooming, huh? Straight up grooming. Once she turned her face when we were kissing in the on the cheeks she turned so it was a, a lip and i remember oh yeah a lip kiss and i remember i felt the electricity yeah and i became obsessed with her as she was obsessed with me i think right and it's i have a few because I, I grew up very catholic by the way so i was in a lot of those uh situations where just no one was even imagining queer anything existed it was like you are male presenting, you're a boy, you must like girls, so you like all these things, and it was just assumed. Um, but with, like, there were definitely times growing up, because I didn't seem interested in girls, when folks were like, oh, you might be called for the priesthood. Have you ever thought about becoming a priest? So I think it was, yes, I'm sure, it was so yeah. common. And I, I would hazard a guess that maybe that nun, as she realized she was queer, um, there may be, they said, oh, just go become a nun. And then when you become so repressed your whole life, you make bad choices, like, you know, flirting yeah. with a child. Imagine, well, about 14-year-old, probably, yeah. um, my hormones were boiling. Sure. Also, great, great, by the way, the action that Martha just did was like squeezing yeah, two yeah. plump oranges when she said yes, that. <laughs> my hormones, and there was some squeezing. I bet. My hormones, I just playful, right? Ha <laughs> ha, Yeah, and whoops. then, uh, And then uh, my mom used to, my mom, because um, I would have to stay because I was doing bad at math, so stay mm, after class, same. and my mother who was very perceptive or very homophobic or 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 I don't even know if she had tendencies of herself because mm. before I ever thought this is this is a she said I don't like that nun she's a lesbian she uh, used the word lesbian wow has she ever then, seen you two kind of like being a no, bit chummy no no okay. no no, no. Uh, well she saw me writing little letters uh. and little you know but uh but then my mother used to say that. So then one day, Madre, we, we would call her Ana, Ana Xavier was her yeah. name, Ana Javier. Ana Javier, she disappeared from the school. Oh, they just pulled her out. She disappeared. She disappeared. And then I didn't know wh whether she she was thrown out of the country. Right. Well, I mean, of the convent because they saw her with uh, with me whether they saw her with somebody else yep. or whether my mother, who was very well connected, oh, right. was very well connected. My mother had her deported. Right. I right. did. I did. With, to this day, I don't know, because usually when you are in the convent, you change your name. Of course, you wouldn't even know her real name. No, I don't know. Or even if I did know her real name, there, is, there, there was no last name and she was from Spain. So... I never wow. knew. Wow. And that must have been quite a, a moment for you. Because, I mean, you didn't understand that was inappropriate. You were young. You were a child. That was not your responsibility. But also knowing that sounds like maybe it was the own real, only real life queer person you'd met. And then so to see them get whisked away and like punished in that way, like it, it must have made you think, what's going to happen to me? And you probably thought it was your fault. 
Yeah, oh, of course, I probably thought that it was my fault. And, uh, oh, God. Yeah, well, I kept thinking, when is the, when is the scandal going to break? Oh, my God. That my, that my mother is going to tell me, you know what? Because she was going to say, you know what? She, we got rid of that stupid on because of, or that mother superior was right. going to call me and say, or worse, that she had another girlfriend. Oh, and, like, like all of these things, you know. <laughs> You Made Me Queer will be right back. And now, back to more You Made Me Queer. You made me queer. Previous to that, when I was about eight years old, my mother had gone to, my parents had gone to Europe, and my mm. mother brought, because it, tacky Nicaraguans, she brought, <laughs> she brought like two life-size replicas. One of David, the statue of Michelangelo, the gorgeous boy. Oh, David, yes, oh, I'm David, familiar with it, Martha. The, the gorgeous <laughs> boy, and that who has his little penis featured in the statue. Yeah. And Venus de Milo. Oh. Like, you know, Venus, the woman with no arms and yeah, beautiful torso. Yeah, coming out torso. of the shell. That's right, just like the torso behind you. So you've got a thing for torsos. Torso. And then my uh, my friends, <laughs> I remember my friends from school, they they love to come to my house to see Davis's penis. That tiny little penis. And they, and they will talk about it and, and stuff like that. And, and I was obsessed with Venus's breasts. Of course. To the point that at night I would... On the statue. I kiss on the statue. <laughs> and I developed a strange attraction for stone cold women who couldn't hold me back. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I hope you were able to work that one out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with my Linda. My Linda, my 11-year-old my wife, who is not really a wife, but is um, my partner, my uh, common law. Fantastic. Who is and when fantastic. you say 11-year-old, you mean for 11 years, not that she's 11 years old, right? Oh, no, no. no okay, great. For, <laughs> for Just clarifying. Years, for 11 yes. years, the longest relationship that I have ever had. Perfect. Mm -hmm. The woman is perfect in every way. Beautiful. You know, shout, it's out a, it's a shout out to Linda. Everybody knows. I, I mentioned her name on stage. Linda, Linda. Yes, Linda, Linda. which is perfect because in Spanish it means pretty. Pretty. And no, she's everything I am not, you know. I'm discombobulated. <laughs> she's yeah. combobulated. There you go. I, it's, she, and you're she's a little impeccable. concussive now. She's not. She's not. She's impeccable. I am, she's impeccable. <laughs> I am impeccable. You're impeccable. We are totally opposites, but oh uh, but I, I'm really glad that I could um, that that uh, that after many years, you know, yeah. that I went, I had a a monogamous relationship with ten different women, <laughs> you know, <laughs> one after the other, the other, the other, the other. I yeah. I really yeah. found so like a more mature. You find somebody that. Uh, but sometimes you don't. Well, I mean, it's tricky, right? And mature in different ways. Like, I'm, I don't know, Linda. I'm sure Linda loves the fact that you're funny and, you know, creative and the energy you bring to things. So you just find a way to balance your crazy with someone else's crazy. Yeah, well, yeah, but she's sane. <laughs> oh, my God. Isn't that nice? <laughs> it's nice. And also, you know, she's very funny. I mean, not on purpose, but sometimes I tell her. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I tell her I'm writing a joke. Uh -huh. And I tell her this, and then she gives me the perfect line. Yes, and by I, accident? Uh, no, not by accident. She, I mean, she, she doesn't write comedy herself. Yeah. But let's say she writes for me because, because she has this uh, mind. And also, remember that 
English is my second, my third language. French right, is my second language. Right, because you speak language. so many. Yeah. No, for only four, but but uh, she, it, uh, there is a way. Like I mean, she's Anglo, Anglo. Oh, perfect. So she has so she helped can... me helped me a lot with my act. That's amazing. I became funnier when I met her. <laughs> That's true. so. I mean. For people, for folks who don't know, even if you speak a second language or maybe you just work in comedy, like to be funny in a foreign language is one of the real tests, I think, to to know that you can live in that language because comedy is so much about the choices of words and timing and things that are so different in other languages. So it's very impressive that you can kill an audience in so many languages. Oh, yeah, but you know why I killed, though? Yeah. Uh, according to many cis heterosexual uh-huh. male professionals at the time are complaining a lot about us ethnic LGBTQ plus oh. people taking away their jobs away that's from them. R- that's right. Right. Because you're getting token. Oh, yeah. Token. Right? Like people are giving you jobs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Token. 29 years I've been doing comedy. Right. Is, and I can remain that I have uh, I have longevity. Insanity. So, yeah. so imagine like a, I have heard it from the beginning of my career. Yeah. But now that I now that I, there are a lot more ethnic people and people with accents. For mm-hmm. a while, I was the only one who had a a, a foreign accent hmm. in in uh, the comedy circuits. Now we have a few yeah. who don't even refer to their accent as I did at the beginning. Yeah. Did you feel like you had to kind of make a joke about it? Of course, you had yeah. to because uh, the audience get gets curious. They want to, you talk different. Yeah, they want to know about you. So sure. that was, a, to get it out of the way, that was the first thing I talk. And yeah. my adventures in uh, elocution lessons, learning to pronounce well and all of yeah. that, my adventures in French. But then, it's strange to say when Modern Family came with Sofia Vergara. When, uh, with Sofia Vergara, they already heard the Spanish accent. I don't have. I don't have to explain it. I do explain that I come from Nicaragua because I like to to talk a little bit about my upbringing. Yeah. Uh, and to have survived an earthquake, the revolution, exile, of course, God. and and to and to you have to be unique not not only because of your circumstance like all of this but also because of of your material the the slant that you you present in your material so but um right right like you it's just natural because you're telling your own story and this is where you're from and this is what you've been through so you know even though people might just like you said unenlightened folks might snicker at an accent or just focus on something that's not that interesting. It's just part of your story, so you have you own it. Yeah, I own it, and then now I can talk about every, anything. I love that. You know, at the beginning, also, I didn't talk about being gay because teachers, workshop leaders that I, that I, of a stand-up comedy that I took, mm-hmm. I, took a, I took several courses because I knew that I had to learn how to build a, a routine. I knew that mm-hmm. I was funny before, learning how to be funny on stage hmm. and language is very important it's like writing writing short stories writing movies you have to find the rules yeah and then you can break them if you want mm-hmm. <clears throat> then after you break the rules but it's like in everything like you know a music uh, music is 12 chords and you can build any any song that you want mm-hmm. uh, that, that's the analogy so 
all of them, all of those teachers had told me that I, I'd rather don't say about the lesbianism mm -hmm. because the audience had a lot to digest with the ethnicity and the accent, right? You've already, they're already working hard enough. Hide this part of yourself. It's too much for them. No, and also it wasn't that comfortable. Yeah, that makes sense. I was like people, people come, I mean, people come out of the closet at their own step. Yeah, yeah. And one has to accept that. And also like even comedy, which is kind of a fringe entertainment property, but like audiences, mainstream audiences are uh, generally a little conservative. And if you want an audience, sometimes, you know, the more the more niches you add to your act, the trickier it can be sometimes to make sure you're still getting people to listen, especially when you're starting out. Yeah, especially when starting out. Now it, it is, and my act is not centered about yeah. neither about being ethnic nor about being a woman or about being gay. I just happen to be all of those things. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, and I, uh, and I talk about it, about things from that point of view. Yeah, absolutely. But, but you know, like by the time I tell them, uh, I talk, I talk about my wife, they already laugh with me the whole for 15 minutes. Yeah. So if they change, I know all oh, your homophobes. <laughs> it's true. You can pinpoint the moment. No, it's so great, right? Like, and I think it's really powerful. And one of maybe the the byproducts of like this show, for example, where, I mean, yes, the show is you made me queer. So it's sort of queer loaded in that way. But we talk about so many things, certainly our queer experience is part of it. But I think it's it's so much more powerful than just getting up here and saying, now, you know, everyone, queer people are just like you and blah, blah. Like that, that doesn't... Uh, you know, to win people over, like you said, or to show people, you know, we're funny, you're having fun with us, everything's fine, we're not a danger to your children, we're not going to break into your homes. I don't even like children. Exa there you go, Martha <laughs> hates children. She's only torsos. <laughs> I like children, I but... <laughs> I like them, but I like them to go away. Yes. You know, I once lived with a woman who had two kids mm. for 10 years, uh, and you know, we had a falling. I talked about them as my kids on stage. Yeah. Uh, because they were uh, they were becoming teenagers at the time, and uh, so I talk about my teenage daughter. My te but but now we don't talk. Yeah. We don't speak to each other. We had a falling out, and uh, so I don't talk about them anymore. Well, there you go. It's perfect. You got to dip your toes into the kid pool and then you got to go. I have a one year, uh, almost one year old nephew who I just saw for the weekend and he's lovely. Uh, he does not sleep through the night. So, you know, as much as I love him, it's great to be like, oh, you're fantastic. And I bid you adieu. Um, I'm going to go home and sleep. Yeah, I am. I am also very uh, I am. I think I inherited that from my mom. Mm. Very protective. Mm -hmm. insanely protective like my my 35 year old niece went to mexico from guatemala my, my family lives in guatemala i, I yeah. came here alone i came to canada right on my own when you were just a teenager right straight out of the the nun school 17 i was because my parents didn't want me to get to participate in the revolution yeah uh, but uh they, uh, and my mother read my diary that I was dabbling in lesbianism. So she sent me away. Wait, what? Yes. You skipped that part. Okay, so hang on. So let's skip back. So we had your mother made you queer in the womb, we've said. Then we had this school. We had 
that sort of quinceanera coming out um, thing where your best friend ended up finding a boyfriend, which was hard for you. And I was so sad, yeah. You were so sad. And then we had the mystery nun, Sister Something Something, who was, Anna you know, Xavier, was her Anna, Xavier, Anna Javier. Anna Javier, who crossed some big lines and then disappeared. Yes. And then when was the diary read? I was 16 and a half. And, uh, and she read, uh, well, I had two diaries because my mother liked to snoop. Oh, so you so had I a had, secret diary. Yeah, I had two diaries. <laughs> the one that I left around to satisfy oh my God. her uh, Agatha Christie. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> and then the one I hid. But I left the, the real one outside. And then she read that I, I was, you know, dabbling in lesbianism. Wow. And she sent me away. It was this is, I mean... We applied for a student visa and all of that. Yeah. And uh, she sent me away, where to Montreal? <laughs> she thought that would keep you straight? Yeah, well, she did, you know, Canada for Central Americans is a block of ice. Of course. Where Christmas happens. Right. Santa Claus Santa Claus lives in Canada. She didn't know, like, I went to Montreal and immediately I discovered, yay, gay <laughs> bars. Yeah, I know? was going to say, Quebec is one of the gayest provinces, in my opinion. Uh, yes. So, and then when my, my parents went to an exile themselves, yeah. so they went to Guatemala and they never came here. Mm. It would have been very tough for them to be here because my parents were lawyers. Uh, okay. they, they lost everything in Nicaragua, the house, the car, all of that. And they left and, um, and they started out again from zero their lives Wow. Uh, as paralegals. Where in Guatemala did they live? Guatemala City. Oh, nice. Okay. As paralegals, right? And then uh, my father had the intention, oh, I want to go there and I don't want them to come here because yeah. I have discovered that I had this huge closet. Right. And as professionals, they would have had to start like the, the cleaning lady, security yeah. guard, because I didn't speak English or anything. Right. Whereas in Guatemala, they had some family. We had some family and they, they got a job as paralegals. My father died very soon, two mm. years after the exile. But my mm. mother survived him for 25 years and she became a lawyer when again wow. with the laws of, of Guatemala when she was 65. Wow. My mother was an incredible woman. Uh, we had a lot of problems among ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I think it was that, the homophobia. And maybe she, uh, sometimes I even wonder if, if she maybe she was gay. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Because uh, she had a pretty strong reaction to it. Very strong reaction, and um, so as I was gonna say, my my I am like my mom overprotective. Yeah. Did I tell you the story about that my niece went? Thirty-five year old she is. She went recently from Guatemala to Mexico for a bridal, uh -huh. uh, for a bridal shower, and I was, why is she there? Mexico is very dangerous. <laughs> why no. is she there? Yeah, no, then I don't sleep. <laughs> I don't sleep because I'm thinking about my niece and, and like. And how old is she? Thirty-five years old. She has. It's a professional. Oh come on, Martha. Have a gummy. Chill out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it is. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't. It's so funny, right? I mean, the way you. And first of all, I want to honor like how amazing it was for you at seventeen to get that experience to be it on your own and find out who you were on your own terms, like to have that distance from your parents, even though it was rooted in a lot of complicated things like the revolution and, you know, all the things that that entailed. But to get to figure out who you were in Montreal, of all places, 
Yeah, and, and I don't know about you, but I think that the finding out who you are takes a long time. Oh my God, yeah. Takes a, takes a long time. I think that I have found out more about me by doing comedy. Yeah. You know, by writing for me, doing comedy and feeling mm -hmm. uh, ethical with me, with yeah. what I write, um, and uh, than uh, anything, like finding yourself takes a lot of, of, of work. You're so right. And I was all alone. I was all yeah. alone and I, uh, and I, my parents couldn't send me one cent anymore. So right. And did you speak any French at the time? No, <laughs> uh, because what happened was like, uh, when they lived to Guatemala, my father said, you have to come back, you come and live here because, uh, we lost everything in Nicaragua. It was horrible. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and then I was, uh, I had already <clears throat> connected with um with the students from Nicaragua who were going through the same thing that I was going through. Yeah. And uh we all started living together and started looking for uh for jobs in the newspaper like uh how do you say mother's helper. Yeah, yeah. Like saying, an au pair. So I, I, yeah, no, no, but I became a mother helper of this Jewish lawyer. Mm -hmm. Mr. Stephen Corda, I always shout out his name. Yes. Him and his wife were, were incredible with me. I found all this law and, and I took care of the little Justin, was his name, oh. is his name. And I, and I Tr Trudeau? always Trudeau? No, no, Justin okay. Trudeau. <laughs> it's like, all of this way to bury love, the lead on that one. Okay. <laughs> all of this love that I had in my, that I couldn't express because I had no family, right. I gave to that little child and, uh, uh. and uh, they helped me, they guide me to a lawyer to apply for political refugee status on wow. the basis of my father, my father and mother's exile. Right. So I did, I made myself this, this Frank, I, I Frankenstein myself. Yeah, you, you did. Know? And you, but you really had to kind of grow up fast in a way to figure, even though you oh, had yeah. help to make those, those things. And at the same time, you were actualizing your sexuality in all the parts of you. Oh, yeah. Wow. Then uh, when I was 18, I already, I met Giovanna, the Italian, my Italian uh, girlfriend whom I lived Ooh. with. For three Is that where you learned Italian? Yes. Mm. You learn with the lowers that you have. Oh, <laughs> uh, 100%, 100%. <laughs> but uh, no, I went to live in Italy for a year with her. <gasps> where in Italy? Like um, Rome. Oh, she was, she's, 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 she was also an immigrant alone in the country so we became really you know entangled yes yes and of course like I, you know all of all of the women that i i have been wearing to instrumental in my growth for good or for bad i mean what a good way to look at it as it happened to you yeah that's yeah. right i mean yeah maybe things don't go well but you if you're paying attention you learn from every experience and if you're a comedian it all goes straight into the act yeah, but I don't mention them. That's my best revenge. <laughs> the only one, That's the right. only one that I have uh, contact with is with Giovanna, who lives in Miami. Amazing. With all the other ones, it was. Yeah, but, don't give them that free publicity. No, I don't give them any publicity. But they don't live here. They want well, they don't live here. But the one I lived with for ten years, she lives in the states. Yeah. So and we lost. Con there was a huge drama, a huge falling out, and then. Yeah. Then completely we lose contact and I'm not going to look for them. Like I, sometimes I wonder those 10 years what happened. But things sometimes don't work out and you just have to let them go. 
100%, right? You let them go, you keep going, and you just, uh, you keep jumping in head first or, or you know, <laughs> face first as you would have it. Right, yeah. And, fa- <laughs> and, and, to, and to tell you the truth, sometimes you just don't need a pass that way. What do you mean? Like to think, to reminisce of, uh, because of those 10 years what? So, but in those 10 years was when I started comedy. There you go. So my, my, my memories were... I refer to to my journey as a comedian. When you're a comedian, you there are people that sign in for life. Mm-hmm. But that is why we call it life first. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and doing comedy for me has been a, a it still is a learning experience. It's that yeah. that's that's what um, that's what excites me the most. That I that I still uh, after so many years I'm still learning. I would hope so. About this. Yeah, and like you said, it's it's a way to learn about yourself and learn about the things you might be uncomfortable joking about or like things about yourself you kind of want to hide. Like you've talked about how you used your comedy to talk about your accent and things like that. Things that maybe you had some shame attached to that when you just, you know, riff on and you have a whole room full of people laughing. It's hard to keep feeling bad about those things or like the skeletons in your closet. That's one of the reasons I like having a show called You Made Me Queer, because even though I'd come out, I came out when I was 17 and now I'm almost 40. So that was a long time ago. But I had to come out so many more times in the way that I presented my gender or the jokes I made or even the way I walked. Like I was still holding on to so much baggage. Yeah, was it was it uh, were you uh, what they call effeminate? It was weird. I was just very effusive, so I wasn't like the guy who's like, "Hey, what's up?" or just kind of watching. I was always the one who was like, "I want to teach me that dance," or um, I don't know. Like, I I didn't read as effeminate, but I read as different. I was always really different. Did you have a lot of of bros like friends like <laughs> friends? No. No, it was me and a, Italian girls drinking Italian, like, Brio, the Italian soda in their basement, uh-huh. reading, like, Tiger Beat. Uh-huh, exactly. Yeah, you exactly. know. Exactly. But that's another curiosity of me, of that, that uh, of, of my life. Okay. That when, after that quinceañera, after I, I, I was through this, all the, uh, all the, I mean, 90% of the young men, the young boys that started frequenting me, turned out to be gay no really yeah we, never, yeah we separated we never came out in nicaragua and then through the diaspora yeah i learned that this guy was gay this guy is gay and this other guy even the guy that didn't look there, there was one that, it, that was very effeminate like i'm uh-huh. sure that that he was uh probably transgender mm. and then there there were but the other there were some that that passed, you know quote unquote passed yeah for for men like that that, that uh, they they would borrow my father's jeep and they never you know macho kind of <laughs> yeah but, uh, but all of them turn out to be gay it's like a magnet we dance with each other at parties i love we, that i wonder if it's a subconscious know? safety like oh i can yes. this person gets me in some level yeah how how did you emit that vibe 
you know and uh yeah. and, I, and i remember that it was it was such a big thing my mother my mother would say i wish that you manicure your hands <laughs> right and then and then pancho my friend the one that i think he is transgender yeah he, uh, he would uh, take me to the salon to have my nails painted mm. stuff like that but i i didn't feel Right, right. I, I, I assume that I am non-binary in a, yeah, yeah, in a way. Yeah, because I, I mean, I can be feminine, but I also can be. Is that non-binary? But I also can. It depends how you identify. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think that's and that's something we're learning language around now because we're listening to non-binary people who we've ignored for so long or just not given a place to speak in, sort of mainstream media. But yeah, I mean, when we stop thinking about ourselves and such specific like you said the imagine the limited imaginations of those nuns or maybe your mom or other people who were like this is what you have to be and i think part of that is fear but also it's because they can't imagine anything else for us and then when we have freedom and we feel comfortable with ourselves we can start to show people what's possible oh and i remember that there were these two nuns mm. madre maria, oh, go on. madre maria and madre rosa Oh, bless them. Rosa, that these other the older girls would talk about that they saw them kissing each other. <gasps> older, older girls that were like maybe 16 already when I was 14. Yeah. They, uh, that they would smoke in the recess. And oh, my, the talk best about gossip, boys. I bet. Yeah. And, uh, and when we, the younger ones, we look at them. There was the, the oh, those nuns, they must be what they call them, cochonas. That's the... Uh, uh, cochon is gay man pejorative. Ah, okay. Cochona is gay woman pejorative. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Those are a pair of cochonas. Those don't, and, and I felt, I felt as if I, as if I identified with them, but I yeah. couldn't say anything. Yeah, that makes sense. I think at that time it was like people who wanted to be in the priesthood or the sisterhood or whatever, or the other people who got kind of pushed there because they were a bit too loose or, you know, bad behavior or people were like, why don't they want to get married? Like it was all the miscreants plus the yeah. religious people, which is like, it's just someone's going to explode the tension there. Yeah, it is uh, the, the religion, religion, religion. I, I, I will say I, I respect those who, who are religious uh, in a way that they don't impose it on other people. Right. The, the, the problem is when they impose it, but... <laughs> and they often do. <laughs> they are, at 95% of the time, they do. Yeah. And um, I believe that religion is the enemy of humanity. And I, and I said it here, and I sustain it. Uh, my family in Guatemala abandoned the Catholic Church and mm -hmm. became born again. Oh, my brother Abraham is a pastor. Oh boy! Uh, and uh, well, my mother passed away and everything, but mm. she left us uh, a little house in Guatemala, and that's where he has his church mm, on okay. Sundays. So when I I go every January, so on Sundays his flock that is like thirty people, yeah, they come and they sit in the living in the living room. But who knows what he told them about me? Right. Because right. They careful never, around her. Yeah, please don't invite her because she's gonna eat you alive. Yeah, she'll make you <laughs> all queer. She says, no, 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 that she'll make you all queer. She's gonna eat you alive. Don't tell her anything. She'll say no. They never tell me. Would you like to join the church? The church? 
Would you like to come to you? They never ask Because you'll come at them. You're not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of anything. And, and I respect, you know, like I respect him that he he has that, uh, he's not a mega church or anything mm -hmm. like that. And he's good to his flock. But I, and, I, and he's not tremendously homophobic. He's not. They love Linda. Well, there you go. That's a start. But I don't know. If, but, but when you belong to, to a, a, an ultra-right church, branch of Christianity, you know, like uh, even if you're not like that with me, uh, until you preach yeah, yeah. that we are people like everybody uh, and that people you have to accept in individual basis, yeah. there are bad gay people, there are good gay people, they're exactly like heterosexuals. Mm -hmm. it's, it's respect. But uh, I am ethical uh, without religion i don't need that religion to be telling me right right that's the thing you don't yeah. you can use your own heart and humanity you don't need an instruction manual yeah it's a it's you know what god bless it's real tricky uh but i think you're right and, and nothing gets me more than like false charity where people are really sweet with me like hey, here's a cupcake yeah but you you're worried that i'm going to go to hell forever like why don't you start on that once you've accepted me as a human being then i'll take your cupcake thank you very much mm -hmm. but not beforehand it's such garbage and now listen martha i obviously this is the first time we're meeting i could talk to you for five hours because you Many are a story <laughs> machine, and I'm low-key obsessed with you. Yeah. Uh, I hope you're running out of time, my dear. Okay, honey, okay. Uh, did I answer everything you want me to answer? You, listen, you've you've answered uh, everything and more. So let's quickly summarize. your uh, Things that made you queer. A short story by Martha Chavez. Your mother's womb. Uh, nuns at large. Uh, that one, Maria Xavier? What was? Anna Xavier. <laughs> and ex I've forgotten it every time. Anna, Anna Xavier. Ana Javier. Ana Javier. I want to say also that Quintanilla, because it introduced you to all the other secretly queer people. Yes, and, and it made me know that I like girls. Yes. More than I, when when I met boys that that it, I that I brought that. and also when I saw movies. Yeah. I I uh, I, uh, I wanted to kiss her, not him. I know, I know. It's that's me and Tiger Beat. I hear you loud and clear. Um, I also want to blame. I think. Uh, the province of Quebec and the entire yes. like refugee naturalization program that Everything. let you stay there. Everything. Everything. And, uh, and that's it for now. Did I? That seems and another like a thing. Yeah. Canada, because if it hadn't <laughs> been for Canada. Yeah. And for a stand up comedy where it's a lot more accepted to be queer. That's right. Uh, I would have probably maybe hide and remain in the closet and be very unhappy that's true and have make somebody else on have make a man unhappy right and make my children unhappy find a nice gay husband yeah, yeah. exactly so and all of those things made me queer and I, and I, although i don't believe in god god bless <laughs> god thank god it turned out that way thank yeah, I, thank god. god now listen don't you go anywhere because we're almost done but we're not done would you like to play a game Yes. Okay, thank God. This game is called Queer, Queerer, Queerist. Queerer, Queerist! Okay, I'm going to give you three things. Your job is to put them in order from least queer to most queer and tell me why. Okay. Okay, ready? Here are the three things. Thing number one, transit menu curation. So this is like, think about when you're on the Via train or like um, uh, Air Transat or something. There's not a menu like in a restaurant. It's a menu with weird things 
to order just on a vehicle. Mm -hmm. So think about that, that sort of menu design. That's thing number one. Uh -huh. Thing number two, sweet mints. <laughs> so some minty things are also flavored like strawberry mint or like bubblegum with mint. It's not quite minty. It's not quite fruit. Mm -hmm. Thing number three, last thing, that feeling when you're watching a TV show that's been on for lots of seasons and suddenly a character comes on and you're like, I know that character, but I don't remember anything about their story. Mm -hmm. So... From these three things, I have yeah. to, to choose the queerest. You put them in order, least queer, medium queer, and most queer. Okay, uh, least queer is the menu okay. on the train. How come? Because really, are they going to tell you whether the chicken is, is a he, a she, or a they? No. <laughs> right, okay. No respect. They just tell you no respect whatsoever Okay. Uh, the, the menu. Um, they, <laughs> We're in a nice sit-down restaurant. They would all the pronouns would be there on the menu. Yes, exactly. Okay. They they don't. <laughs> and uh, the um, the secondly square is yeah. the uh, the character. Okay. The character on the show. Yeah. Because uh, I don't remember a character that doesn't mean that I, that the character is queer, or that or that not remembering is queer. Is okay. that it? That is queer. You mean like, you know, like Game of Thrones or something, some prince walks on and you're like, who is that? Oh, you mean the, the fact that I, that I demand who they are, whether that is queer, queer. Or like you forget, like you're like, I know I've seen this character, but like six seasons ago and I don't remember anything about them. And you feel that's, kind that's of confused. Not, but... that, well, I, that's, that's every show on Netflix because you see them all <laughs> at once. True. There's too many. You, you see them again and then you, did I see this? Who yeah. are those people? Exactly. Like, no, but that I don't associate with queerness. Okay, so we'll leave all. it at medium, but it's yeah, okay. So medium. take us home. What's the queerest? The mints. <laughs> well, okay. That was a queer person who designed the mint. Queer You're guy. Right. You're right. You're right. Because it's like, let's just make more mints. And then someone put their hand up and said, what about we add some fruit? <laughs> yeah, we add some fruit and the fruit have to be very exotic. Right, like you a know? mango. Like a mango. Ooh. Mango, uh, what was that fruit that looks like? Dragonfly. Is that a fruit? No. Oh, yeah. Dragon fruit would be a Dra good one. Dragon fruit. Dragon yes. fruit. Good drag like name too. Kiwi. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Who, some of these fruits are made up. But you know what's the queer one? Papaya. <laughs> That's a very lesbo oh, flavor. Papaya? papaya. Banana is a very male. I, very male. I see and, what you're saying. And a smoothie of both is very non-binary. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I go crazy for a fruit salad. So let's leave it at that. Uh, Martha, I'm going to quickly yeah. check your score. So let's see. Least queer, menu curation, medium queer, character of the TV show, Queerest Sweet Mints, one, two, three. Congratulations, 100%. You are, in fact, a queer person. Oh, yay! Congratulations. Thank you, thank you very much. Perfect. Okay, Trevor, thank you for this time. Of course. No, thank you. My God. Anything you want to plug, Martha? Okay, so I'm going to plug. I am headlining Yak Yaks Toronto mm. during the Just for Laugh Toronto series from the 29th of September to October 1st. 
that's uh, uh, that's the most important at these moments. I love that. And I want you all to be there because I I am uh, I am uh, doing some very new things that are gonna be, and I'm gonna be taping a. Um, um, an album. Yes. Okay, folks, go. Obviously, you've heard Martha is funny as hell, and you haven't even been looking at anything. So imagine the experience in an audience gazing up at Martha. Uh, maybe she'll have another black eye. Who is to say? Who knows? Who is to say? Well, <laughs> if I run into a convoyer, maybe. That's true. It's a surprise. And Martha, I want to thank you because I was very queer when this conversation started, and talking to you has made me queerer than ever. Me too. Me too. <laughs> yes. Your responsibility. Victory. Okay, Trevor. Victory. <laughs> Thank you very much, honey. Thank, Thank you, my you. dear. What? Take care. I'll, I'll, I'll send you tickets, okay? <gasps> yes, please. We have it on tape. Thanks, Martha. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Queer, queer, queer. Okay, that's a season premiere, kiddo, so I hope you enjoyed it. God knows you better buy a ticket to the We're Funny This Way Festival this weekend. As always, you can mail me and the show at youmademequeer at gmail.com. I want to hear so many things, just in case you're new, things you can write me include. What do you blame for making you queer? Who do you want to see on the show? Who do you not want to see on the show? Bring me the hot goss, kid. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. As I've said many times before, and you probably know, that goes a long way fighting the good old algorithm fight. Okay, that's it. Cue credits. You Made Me Queers, created and produced by me, Trevor Campbell. Our editor is Sean Ben Beaton. Our theme song is by Critty. For more for music, check out lavenderbruisers.bandcamp.com. Our website is youmademequeer.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at youmademequeer. New episodes of You Made Me Queer come out every other Thursday. And from the bottom of my big bent heart, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, remember, we're here, we're queer, and it's your fault. <laughs>